Uh, hi, my name is Chris Corpus. I am the AV production manager at the Aquarium in the Pacific, and I uh, am lucky to get to make films and videos for the aquarium. Uh, but I also am a student at Miami University in the Project Dragonfly graduate program, uh, where I'm uh, getting my master's in biology there. And uh, I've been fortunate to get to travel the world doing research with some top researchers in amazing places. Project Dragonfly at Miami University is an amazing program that allows people like myself who have careers already, who are trying to build themselves in science fields, uh, it provides us the opportunity to get to go out into the world and gain a master's degree in biology and really get some hands-on experience doing field research uh, with top researchers around the world and then learn how to come home and tell stories about the conservation efforts that we worked with. As part of Project Dragonfly, I was able to travel to Mongolia this past summer, which is full of extreme ecosystems. And extreme ecosystems are places where you can see uh, climate change happening at a rapid pace and you can see uh, the impacts of human existence on the natural ecosystems uh, at a greater rate than you might see it in other places in the world. And so because of that, we got to study uh, animals who are both threatened and endangered in those ecosystems and really see how our um, lives and our human, you know, the things that we do in our regular lives as just humans going around the planet, how that's really affecting those ecosystems and, and changing the environment for the animals. While we were there in Mongolia, we got to study some really amazing species. Uh, one of them was the palace cat, which is the fluffiest, grumpiest cat you've ever seen in the world. And we also got to study uh, a wild horse species called Shavalsky's horses. And it's actually the last true wild horse species in the world. Shavalsky's horses are an incredible animal and a great opportunity for us to see how we can protect a species from extinction. Uh, it's an animal that has been around for 20,000 plus years. They have thrived in their part of the world, and only recently have they gone extinct in the wild. And thanks to the work of researchers in Mongolia and some partners that came to help them, they were able to reintroduce Shavalsky's horses back into the wild. And if we can learn from the work that they did, taking those horses and reintroducing them into their natural environment, we might be able to do the same thing in other parts of the world and rescue other species from extinction. Shavalsky's horses are a species that the Mongolians were able to rescue from extinction because they are something that the Mongolian people fell in love with. Uh, they were able to be branded as a species that was their own, was the Mongolian species that they wanted to uh, protect. It was. Uh, an animal that's part of their mythology, part of their history. You know, Mongols are known as the horse riders on the open plain, and uh, this horse that was going extinct was a big deal to them, and uh, they were able to really rally the people to want to protect a portion of land to help save the species. People might be surprised to hear me come to an aquarium to talk about horses in a landlocked country, but I've come to realize in my studies with this program that all endangered species, all conservation efforts are basically the same. They're all fighting the same battles, and the battles that we face on landlocked species conservation are very similar to the battles we face for oceanic conservation. So one example might be overgrazing, which is a big problem for the Shavalsky's horse. Uh, the overgrazing that changes the environment there, that reduces their food sources, all of that is very similar to something like overfishing in the ocean where we are taking a resource out and that affects all sorts of things down the line for other species. Uh, things like uh, how they trap rodents, how they are poisoning animals to try and uh, kill rodents, but that ends up killing uh, animals like the palace cat. 
those sorts of efforts are real similar to things like gill nets that we find in the ocean where they're trying to capture one animal but they end up capturing all sorts of other things like sea turtles, like sharks, and endangered species like the vaquita. So I think as we do work in landlocked countries and as we try to figure out conservation efforts in those places, once we figure out a success story, once we figure out how to fix something there, Hopefully, we also find something that we can translate to oceanic conservation and ways we can help save uh, species from extinction in the ocean. The inclusion of local communities in a conservation effort might seem like something that's a common sense idea that everybody would want to do when they're trying to save a species and protect an ecosystem. But that really isn't the reality that has happened over the history of conservation in, in several different parts of the world. Uh, Africa is one good example. Some parts of Asia, we've experienced things um, that we call conservation colonialism, where we on the other side of the world have fallen in love with a species, uh, really care about an ecosystem, and we want to help save it. And we have all these great intentions, but the way we go about it is to force out the people who live there or not to allow them to buy in and give us their experience and have them add to the conservation effort. Instead, we're just forcing them away. And the problem with that is we lose their support, we lose their buy-in, and we can only be in a place for so long. And if we're not successful in the work that we're doing, or if it takes longer than we think it needs to take, if we don't have local support, if we don't have the local people wanting to help and wanting to be a part of it, it's a good chance that that effort could fail as soon as we leave. And we definitely don't want that because that, in the end, does not save a species from extinction. Conservation for Chevalsky's horses has been a pretty good success so far. They still have a ways to go, uh, but they have been able to reintroduce a species into the wild that was extinct. And a big part of the reason why that worked is because the local population really wanted to do that. They were able to set aside some land to make a protected area, and not just a protected area that humans can't work in, but a protected area that had buffer zones that allowed for farming, that allowed for herding, that allowed for the local population to have jobs and not just get kicked out of an area. And so with that unique partnership and that sense of ownership of saving these horses, they were really able to build an area that was the perfect place for the horses to thrive in. And now they've gone from what was just 12 horses to a little over 300 horses in that part of the world.